0: Children have loads of toys. When our eldest Michael was just a little boy, there was a big box in the corner of our little flat, just stacked full of toys. Never seemed to play with any of them. They were just, uh, he got them, played a little bit, and then there they went into this big packing crate in the corner of the living room. In fact, he used to love, more than anything else, climbing, getting all the toys out of there, climbing into the box, closing the lid, and just turning the box over and over with him giggling inside. sight. Might as well just bought him a cardboard box for Christmas, would have been a lot cheaper. But one of the things he loved to do was to uh, have play fights with his dad. We had a special word for it in our house, it was boofters. He said, Dad, let's go boofters, boofters comes from a Dutch derivative I'm not going to explain it to you but that's what he used to do dad come on let's go boofter. let's go boofter. and so we used to wrestle on the ground and he would be like a wild man swinging his arms at me and punching me and kicking me and and just laughing as he was doing it he loved it and he was fun when he was small But then, after a few years, my wife Inika started to notice the bruising that used to appear on my body after the boofters. And she said, Where did did you get that bruise from? Where where did you get that one from? And I used to think, and I wasn't quite sure, and suddenly dawned on me that he was still punching and kicking with the same ferocity as he did when he was two, as when he was six. But the impact on my body was radically different. Now, imagine when I'm there with him, I'm punching him back, because that's what you do. But I wasn't doing it as wildly as him, because if I'd have done that, what would have happened? I would have been arrested. And taken away and he would have been in hospital, if not worse. He could be as wild as he wanted to be, but not his dad. His dad had to stay under control, no matter what. Today we are looking from our passage in Colossians about gentleness. Gentleness. And gentleness... from our passage, is something we need to clothe ourselves. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What is gentleness? Well, gentleness, according to the dictionary, is the quality of being kind, tender, or mild-mannered. But the Bible, it goes deeper than that. It is not just about being Mild, meek, being tender. It actually talks about power under control. When I was wrestling my son, when we were booftering together, I had to be gentle. Particularly when he was young. You have to be even more gentle. There was a certain amount of power I could use, but no more. Whereas he was just a wild man having a great time with his father. Gentleness. I had the potential to injure him, but it's under control. I had to be gentle. Gentle with my son. But it goes even deeper than that. You know, sometimes when you're in a stressful situation, picture this. You're in Waitrose. Not in Harrow. No, in Harrow. You're in your, in your Waitrose, okay? Okay. Imagine this rich. You're in Waitrose. Where do you normally shop then? Waitrose. There you go. You're in Waitrose. There's a queue of people because it's busy and there's only two checkouts that are open. And everybody's oh again. And there you're queued up in Waitrose, or Tesco's, or Sainsbury's, or wherever. You're queuing. Everybody's queuing. You've got just a basket of food, and it's getting heavy, so you put it on the floor. And you're waiting in line. All of a sudden, somebody comes in front of you says, excuse me, and they push in. What do you do? Well, there are three options, psychologists say. The first one is you fight, like those two bears over on the left-hand side. Some people go, Oi! You, what are you doing? This is not fair. This is unjust. I've been waiting here at least 10 minutes. What do you think you're doing pushing in? Get out. Go to the back of the line like everybody else and behave yourselves. You stand up for yourself, I'm not having any of this, particularly... In Waitrose. It's not allowed to happen. They might behave like that in Sainsbury's. Not in Waitrose. The second thing is you take flight. You go, well, that's a bit rude, isn't it? But best not get involved. Maybe you start rationalizing. Well, maybe they've got a good reason. Maybe they I don't know. Somebody's waiting for them outside. They have to go, well, I'm not going to get involved. I'm just going to just be quiet and just hold on, not do anything here. Let's just, let me, let me go to another aisle. This could get nasty in this aisle. I'll, I'll go join the other aisle in case something kicks off with someone. And you run away and you go somewhere else. Or, like the deer, you freeze I don't know what to do. What should I do in this situation? I don't know what to do. Should I say something? Should I not say something? What am I going to And you're not sure what to do, and you just stand there kind of dithering about, not quite sure what to do. In life, when we face stressful situations, we often use one of these three. You fight, you flight, or you freeze. But Jesus says, you know what? There's another way. And that's the way of faith. And that's what we're going to look at today. In Matthew 11, he says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We know it well, don't we? That passage. But just think about what it really means. The yoke is that piece of wood in the middle, isn't it? The thing that ties you together. The two become one unit. Take my yoke, Jesus said. In other words, he's inviting you and me to be joined together. To be linked as one unit The two become one. Take my yoke. Mr. and Mrs. Griffith are here today. Whoo! Back in Trinity Church. You could say they're sitting together. It's a good sign after their honeymoon. Still sitting next to each other. That they are yoked together. Why? Because the two have become one. Now they're one unit. They're pulling together. They're working. They're traveling through life, not as Individuals but as two oxen joined together. Often when they used to join two together like that, you would have an older and a younger, a more mature, a more experienced animal, joined with a more immature one, a less experienced, so that you could learn from the other. Jesus said that. He said, take my yoke upon you and do what? Learn from me. He's the experienced one. We're the unexperienced, the, the immature one in our, in our walk with God. But we link together so we can learn as we watch and as we experience, as we journey together with Jesus Christ. And who, who is driving, who is determining where these oxen go? Well, the person that's behind, you can sort of see in the distance. The oxen don't make their decisions, do they? They don't say, I'm going to go this way. No, I'm going to go. Let's have a discussion about this. Where are we going to go together? No, the master behind is the one that directs where we should go. You know what they found? There was a competition in Canada a few years ago. Ox pulling competition it was. you know how much one Ox can pull the winner. Any ideas? Managed to pull 8,000 pounds of weight. Now, that doesn't mean much to me, but the runner-up was just under that. So the two together should be able to pull how much? 16. You're good at maths. Do you know how much the two? They they hitched the two winners, the the winner and the runner-up together. Do you know how much they pulled together? No, 26,000 pounds together. Translated, that's the weight of, or the, the mass of two elephants being pulled along. Or, in our speak, that's if we all piled on to a double-decker bus and you hitched up two oxen, they could take you round. That's how much they could pull together, way more than if they were doing it on their own. Jesus says, come and be yoked. Come and be yoked to me. Think about any problem that you have right now, any challenge, any stressful situation in your life. Jesus says, come to me if you're weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Whatever your problem, whatever your challenge that you're facing, are you tethered with Jesus? Think for a moment about the power of Jesus Christ. How powerful is Jesus Christ? Well, if you think about it in a negative way for a moment, is Jesus more powerful than the angels? No, let me try that again. Is Jesus more powerful than an angel? Yes. In the Bible, in Isaiah, it says one angel in one night managed to wipe out, do you know how many? 185,000 fighting men. One angel in one night. Jesus, when he was going to the cross, how many legions of angels did he say he could command? Pick a number. Not 20? 12. Good answer. 12. 12 legions of angels. How many angels in a legion? 6,000. So, 12 times 6 is? 72, 72 times 185,000 is, Mass teacher, 13 billion. What Jesus said when he was there on the cross, he says, don't you know that I could call down 12 legions of angels? He's saying, I've got the firepower. And that's assuming, of course, that one angel... In one night, 185,000 was the limit. You know, if there was 186,000, he would have needed two angels, right? We're making an assumption there. But he's saying, I've got the firepower to wipe out in one night 13 billion people. And that's not even him. That's who he commands, his angels. You think about the power of Jesus Christ in Colossians chapter 2. It said, when Jesus went to the grave, when he died on the cross and he rose again, he wiped out, he he canceled the power of evil. He canceled the written code, he nailed it to the cross. He disarmed evil, he put evil in chains, it says. That's the power of Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter 11, what is Jesus Christ asking you and saying, If you're weary and you're burdened, come and join next to me. Become a unit with me. Come to me if you're weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Why will he give you rest? How much firepower do we have? By comparison. Not a lot. In fact, nothing. But we don't need it because he has it all. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Become connected to me. Join with me. Because I'm gentle. I have all the power. But it's under control. Who's control? The father who's driving it. I'm humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know there's a problem though, isn't there? There's a difficulty. There's a reason that we don't like being yoked with Jesus. Who has the control when you're yoked? The farmer. And who's the farmer? God. And that's where the problem comes for you and me, isn't it? Because I like the control, don't you? I I like to do the... I I like to be able to be the one that's pulling. I want to be the one that gets the victory. I want to be the one that is successful. I want to be the one in control. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Come to me, and, and we can accomplish so much more. But the challenge with that is for you and me is saying, but that means I have to give up control. And how much control? Well, how much control does a single ox have? None. If the the farmer wants them to go left, he just pulls them and the experienced one will take them left. If the farmer wants them to go right, he'll pull the experienced one and they'll go right. If the farmer wants them to stop or go backwards, that's what the ox will do. Because the experienced one will lead the inexperienced one. And it's the same for you and me. And so our challenge and our our, our tension and our struggle becomes, Lord, help me to give up. Help me to become yoked. How do we do that? Well, first we have to be aware of the need. Many people go through life saying, I can do it. And if, if it goes wrong and we can't do it, what do they do? Well, they blame other people. You know, it's Alan's fault over there. He's, he's messing up my plans. It's Liz's fault over there. She's messing up my plans. She's getting in the way. She's, she's twisting things and doing things so I can't accomplish what I need to accomplish. And we, we blame other people. And we make excuses. And really the issue is I, I don't want to give up control. Or I, I, I don't. I don't have an awareness that I, I need help because I think I can do everything, when in fact we can't. Secondly, we need confidence in the power of Jesus. We need to trust that if I'm yoked to him, that there is a way through this, that I'm confident in that, that, that Jesus is not just some distant God that we read about in the Bible, but that is real and is active. And is, when he says, come and be yoked to me, he means it. And he means that we can actually become one unit and something will change and something will happen. We need that confidence in the power of Jesus Christ. That whatever we're facing, Christ is bigger, Christ is greater, Christ can overcome that. The power that Jesus Christ can have, if I'm yoked to him, is more than sufficient to overcome the situation I find myself in. And then we need to trust in his willingness to be yoked to me. Why? Why, why would he be yoked to me? Why do, would he really do that? I know he says it in his word. I know we read it. I know I know David's reading it out to me, and, and I've read it many times, but really? Would he? Can he? Can I? Why? Why would he be yoked to me? There's so many bigger things going on in the world than my problems, my situations, my burdens. We need to trust in his willingness. And then we need to submit. Jesus said, didn't he? Take up your cross every single day and follow. Take up your cross follow him do you believe and live in the knowledge that God knows best that whatever happens when you become yoked to Jesus Christ that the farmer the the father behind will lead you for whatever is best not whatever is easiest not whatever you want to happen But whatever is best, ultimately, for your life and for others, you have to submit and trust, trust in his willingness, trust in his compassion and his mercy and his gentleness, his humility. Trust in him. Colossians says, clothe yourself with gentleness. What are you facing today? You see, you have a choice in life. You can be like my son, five years old, like a little wild boy, flinging his arms around, thrashing out of everything, including his dad. That's not gentleness. Or you can trust in the power of God and allow gentleness to be part of who you are. In a short time, I'm sure we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. You know when you say those words? You're saying, Lord, let me be yoked to you. Let me trust in what the Father is going to do. Thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will. On earth, in my life. In the life of my daughter or my son or my wife or my husband. Or my mother or my father. Thy will be done. Why? Because I'm going to be yoked to you. And I'm going to trust in your goodness, in your mercy. I'm going to trust in your gentleness and your humility. I'm going to trust in you. I know it won't be easy. But I know that when I do that, We will have the power because you will take the lead to see me through everything that you're taking me through. You see, one day we'll stand before God. We'll stand before the one who leads those two oxen. And I know when I stand there, when you stand there, You won't be able to complain or say why. Then you will understand. Then you will know the reasoning. You'll see the picture. Paul says we see darkly now. We see dimly. We see just a fraction. Then you will see clearly and understand. Trust in that for everything that you're going through today. Phil, can you come and play? for us for a moment just invite you to this morning to, for a few moments just to close your eyes and think about the, the struggles and the the burdens in your life what is it you're facing right now Lord, help us to be honest with ourselves. Am I yoked to you? Or am I facing this alone? In Revelation 3.20, you say, I stand at the door and I knock and I, I want to come in. You say that to believers, not unbelievers. In Matthew 11, you said, I'm going to be yoked to you. I'm standing there waiting. The yoke is ready. I'm ready Come alongside Let me pull the weight That's why my burden's easy My yoke is easy my burden is light because I'll pull all the weight I have all the strength Don't need to struggle Lord in these few moments We release to you those struggles. Come to me. If you're weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. For the things we face, Lord,